Hey there, it's Charlie O'Shields back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. I've been sketching and writing every day now for over five years. What I've found is that I very often forget things that I've sketched and things I've written about until I see them again. It's fun to revisit older illustrations and stories and see how my approach has changed over the years. Oh, it's still a sketch and a ramble, but there's always something a bit different on my mind each time I make something. It's perhaps not terribly grand or profound, but it's all part of this journey we call art. I've always tried to encourage others to create art each and every day. I truly believe it's one of the most rewarding things we could ever do for ourselves in life. And no matter what type of arts and crafts you prefer, doing a little each and every day makes amazing things happen. For me, it's given me the confidence today to branch out and create more narrative sketches, many times completely from my own imagination. The very idea that I would ever be able to sketch without a reference in front of me seemed impossible when I started. But today, after dutifully sketching stuff for these past few years, I can do more than I ever thought I could. And all of that credit goes to my lovely daily art habit. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Burning the Midnight Oil When I was younger, I was quite nocturnal. You would find me staying up until the wee hours of the morning working on various projects. I felt like I got a lot more done back then, but looking back, I was also a bit tired much of the time. These days, you're far more likely to find me in bed by 9 p.m. In fact, it's been quite a long time since I've even been awake for the arrival of midnight. I'll stay up and read for a while, and before the clock strikes 12, I'll have nodded off. I have so many crazy dreams of things I'd like to accomplish that I sometimes wish I never had to sleep at all. It would be amazing to have a full 24 hours a day to get things done. But then again, I imagine that one could easily get burned out if they never had a moment to pause and dream. And there's something lovely about waking up to a brand new day with new possibilities. It's like turning the page in a sketchbook and seeing a new one waiting there. I'm never quite sure what will make an appearance, but it's fun to find out. Today, while I was talking on the phone with my mother, I could hear Philippe bustling around the house doing various things. When I got off the phone, he had multiple loads of laundry queued, had cleaned all of the windowsills, and was beginning to attack the stack of papers and letters that had collected at the edge of the kitchen counter. I was quite impressed with his energetic enthusiasm. When I asked him what caused this sudden burst of domesticity, he shrugged and said, I opened a window and let some fresh air in, and then I got inspired. I know he was simply talking about the unseasonably nice weather we're having here today, but I rather liked that turn of phrase. The idea that something so simple was the key to inspiration was, well, a rather inspiring thought. Many times I find myself feeling like I'm in a bit of a rut, and instead of turning to something new, I just keep trudging forward. I'll try to tackle each problem with the same approach when indeed all I really needed was some fresh air. So I've decided to take his unintentional tip to heart and look for chances to open more windows. Those times in my life where I can shake up my routine a bit by trying something totally different. Sure, I often try entirely new things when it comes to big projects like starting a podcast or publishing a book. 
but then I'll take the same path while driving to work or walk down the same alleyways each day. It's efficient to be sure, but I wonder what I might be missing by not opting for a slightly different direction. Nothing major, I'm sure, at least on the surface, but maybe something that would light a small fire of inspiration inside me. Just a glow that's bright enough to lead me to a new place or spark a fresh idea. I adore those moments when an idea is so vividly new and amazing that I can't wait to jump into the act of creating it. Those are the best moments of all. And sure, I'll have to figure out how to make it all happen before 9pm, but that's okay. I can still get quite a lot accomplished these days, even if I'm no longer burning the midnight oil. Those good old days. Nearly everything I talk about when I blog on doodlewash.com is a bit nostalgic. So I decided to jump a bit further back in time with a quick little doodle wash of a phonograph, an invention created by Thomas Edison back in 1877. Nostalgia is defined as a wistful yearning of happiness for a former place or time. What makes this idea rather fun is that it's not required that one has actually lived through that time in order to enjoy the experience. This is proven by the fact that you can still buy record players and Bluetooth stereos in the shape of a phonograph today. In this case, it's an imagined time that seems simpler and more alluring than the present. Truly, we do have a lot of new inventions and tons of social media feeds to check out these dates, so perhaps things were a touch simpler back then. But it can also simply be a trick of the mind. My memories of childhood, for example, have a beautiful way of glossing over the bad bits and focusing only on the truly happy ones. That, and simply giving something a bit of distance, always makes it seem less troublesome than it might in the moment. Either way you look at it, the past is always here to stay. It's fun to see so many young people enjoying vintage objects they themselves have never experienced. And it's certainly nice to know that ornate and beautifully created things are still enjoyed in today's make it plain and simple and cheap as you can world. Objects of the past were created as bits of sculpture. They were wildly ornate, as if anything less would somehow defile the amazing creativity involved in the invention itself. And they are still considered valuable objects in antique shops to this day. Many of the objects made today simply won't survive for over 100 years, the time required for something to be considered truly antique. In many ways, it feels like we're moving into a perfectly disposable world where there won't be many objects of memory left behind. Far less than earlier generations, dating back hundreds of years. And yet something like an old phonograph will still manage to exist well more than 200 years later. As the world becomes more virtual, it's not surprising that people of all ages are craving something to cling to, something tangible, something that will actually last for years to come. That's certainly why I love sketching and painting each day. It's wonderful to experience doing something that people have enjoyed now for hundreds of years. From those cave paintings of Paleolithic Europe to 1780, when William Reeves created those first hard cakes of soluble watercolor. Each time we grab that brush to paint, we're part of a rich history. Nothing that requires a hard drive or electricity, but something far more complex. An act that demands our creativity and attention to detail. A visceral and immediate moment with no way to erase, delete, or start over. 
As more and more inventions come along to make our lives easier, I'm thrilled to be enjoying the original and often more difficult ones. My mind works in a much different way when permanence is involved, and I love the ideas that it produces while in this state. While there are certainly more memories we are able to capture in this day and age, we can just as easily erase them with a touch of a button. So yes, that's why you'll often find me longing for and celebrating the good old days. Scribbling Flowers Since I'm a bit shy about painting blossoming things, I try to sneak in a prompt of flowers every now and again to force myself to practice a bit more. Here we have a tiny little vase of orange flowers, mostly because orange is one of my favorite colors. Philippe and I tried to have fresh flowers like this in our home, but although we purchased them together in Glee, neither of us signed up for the care and feeding. But once they were in the vase, we assumed they could take care of themselves after that. I have no idea why we thought flowers were somehow self-sufficient once uprooted and plunked in glass, but as it turns out, they do actually appreciate a bit of care. I'm always amazed by those domestic goddesses that always seem to have a home with a sort of plan. Our house is less of a plan concept and more of a side effect. The first floor is an open concept, which means you can see everything at once. This includes the kitchen, which is both my temporary art studio and Philippe's primary domain. Basically, it looks like we've just had a party most of the time, even though we've neglected to invite anyone, but it's what we call home. Philippe and I have several projects we constantly talk about doing in our house. For example, there's a cabinet in the dining room that is covered in crap. Not actual crap, of course, but a few bags of watercolor paint and some various knickknacks we've acquired stacked on top of each other. We have many conversations about how we are going to clear it all away one day, but the clutter doesn't end there. Nearly any available surface is fair game to have something plunk there temporarily until we can decide where it should actually go. The problem is we forget about the thing entirely most times and the temporary spot starts to take on an air of permanence. Our shelves once seemed well manicured and the Lego architecture sets on them seemed like a bit of hip art. Then more Legos arrived and the scene turned into something that looked more like an end cap at a toy store. It's not exactly messy, just dense and lacking the minimalist precision seen in magazines. That carefully curated look that keeps only the elements that are required to complete the scene. Suffice it to say, we won't be appearing in any magazines anytime soon. Perhaps this is why I'm incapable of painting very abstract watercolors, the kind with just a semblance of an image made up of a few precise strokes. Though still perfectly loose and quick, my doodle washes furiously attempt to capture all of the little details that the subject has to offer. Within the first 10 minutes of painting, I have something that I'm certain would be more like those other images I've seen, but I simply can't stop there. I go back and continue to form and model things a bit more, only stopping when Philippe shoves a plate of dinner in front of me. I then stop, eat, and scan whatever happened, and that's what I post. After I ramble on, I do my level best to clean up whatever happened in the kitchen that night. It's also perfectly mundane and silly, but it's become a rather beautiful little ritual. I'm certain if we invested that same bit of routine into our domesticity, we could have that picture-perfect abode that magazines display. But that's not what actually happens. Instead, something far more beautiful occurs as Philippe sings to himself while perfectly wrecking the kitchen for me to clean up later, and I happily sit for just a moment, 
scribbling flowers. A window to childhood. For a prompt of vibrant once, it could have been absolutely anything at all that's bright and striking. Then someone in the community suggested I paint a Christmas window with reflections. As I was thinking about this and admiring my tree today, I realized it was completely covered in shiny and whimsical reflections. The kind that not only reflect all of the color and light around us, but if you glance at it just right, it can reflect a bit of your heart. A window into a time when nothing but absolute wonder would ever do during this wonderful season. As a kid, I would see my reflection on those ornaments and it felt like I was jumping inside them traveling to a magical world where I'd been shrunk to the size of the tiniest elf and could explore unknown lands. And every year, even as more gray hair appears on my head, I'm determined to go on that same journey. As each little light glows around me and everything nearby begins to glitter, life shines more beautiful than ever, and I'm totally ready to play and be merry. Philippe and I have been browsing Amazon in search of things to add to our wish list. It's basically the adult version of a list for Santa, only more convenient than writing a letter. This act is combined with subtle suggestions like when we were in Target yesterday and I casually pointed to lava lamps and screamed loudly, I want one of those. Seriously, I totally want one. Exuberant bursts like this can sometimes have an ill effect though, as Philippe wants nearly every gift to be a surprise. This is lovely when you're good at gifting like he is, but a bit disconcerting when you're, well, me. I prefer to have a clear indication of desire for nearly all of the gifts and pepper in some surprises around for decoration. This year I even started jotting things down when Philippe mentioned them, but only had to cross them off when he simply bought them for himself. That's the other side effect of being an adult. You don't have to ask your parents first. Well, I guess there's still that certain amount that requires spouse approval. It's different for everyone, but it exists just the same. Most of my wish list has remained the same since I was a little kid. It's all toys, books, and electronics. I don't want socks or anything sensible at all because I'm an adult and perfectly capable of buying those things for myself. And when I was a kid, I didn't want those things I needed because my mother would have bought them for me anyway. Though yeah, since I can't see my face properly at all times, those nose clippers Philippe snuck into my stocking one year were rather helpful, I guess. Even so, my wish list is full of things I absolutely do not need. It's an amazing list that feels almost magical as an adult. It's simply a list of wants. How rare is that? Those things that I've talked myself out of having for months or even years because of course, I don't really need them. But if life were built out of only needs, it would be a terribly dull proposition indeed. Beautifully primal to be sure, but I'm not a squirrel. I want things to do more than keep me alive. I want the things that remind me of being that kid again so I can truly feel alive. And I wait each year for this chance to experience that amazing opportunity to enjoy a window to childhood. Moments of Reflection One of the joys of blogging each day, at least the way I approach it, is that I have absolutely no idea what will appear until the very moment that it does. 
Today, in answer to a prompt, I ended up with a quick little doodle wash of a duck reflected in water. There's something so wonderfully calm about seeing a duck swimming by. They seem to move in an enviably effortless way. I wish I had half of that grace, but I'm generally quite clumsy. Much of the time this is caused by my horrible impatience. My excitement about moving forward makes me rush into just about everything that I do. I take only a few minutes to mentally prepare for a project and then happily jump right in and start doing it. This can be considered impetuous to someone who likes to make a solid plan, but it's really just a build-to-think approach. I come up with ideas by actually jumping in to do them and learn as I go. This doesn't always create an environment of smooth swimming like this little duck is enjoying, but it does make creating incredibly fun. I prefer my messy process because I adore being astonished along the way. Life to me is never better than when it's granted the ability to surprise and delight us. I've tried many times to sit down and truly prepare an idea. I've attempted to fully outline all of the steps and carefully think about the outcome I would like in the process. This is something I've attempted for books I wanted to write, for example. Each time I try, however, my brain sort of shuts off partway through and I'm left with nothing much at all. It's just not how I think. I sometimes feel I'm a bit like the first watch that Philippe bought for me, the kind that runs not on batteries but on physical movement. When I'm in the act of making something, my brain is firing at full speed and everything happens automatically. But when I stop to think about it, as is more often the case, overthink it, nothing much happens at all. Weirdly, I actually adore learning about processes and structure, but I prefer to overlay that knowledge on something I've already created than to begin there. I simply use those ideas as a gauge to determine whether what I've done is the best that it could be, but not to get there in the first place. Many times I'll come up with something that doesn't quite fit the mold while approaching life this way, and those are the best moments of all. Yet also, I can often find that what I create doesn't quite fit into the accepted paradigms that came before me. I'm back to being that little boy that I once was who didn't quite fit in and whose work couldn't be easily categorized. For example, I've always had a dream to write a fictional novel, yet most of my ideas and concepts defy the standard categories that exist today. One might think this could be considered breakthrough, but the reality is that successful breakthroughs are extremely rare. In truth, it's usually far better to plan a bit in advance and ensure that what you're doing is going to fit inside some predetermined mold. It's honestly the best way to guarantee success. But for the life of me, I can't seem to function this way. Instead, you'll find me just doing whatever comes to mind each day instead. I'm not planning so much as bumbling forward in search of that next bit of personal truth. And just maybe, that's the very definition of an artist. Or at least I'd like to think so in these thoughtful moments of reflection. Like a little puppy. When it comes to adorable, a doodle wash prompt once, my mind immediately went to baby animals. In this case, we have a little corgi puppy who is waiting to grow into his ears a bit. I love the cute awkwardness of baby animals, even if my own awkwardness as a kid wasn't quite as amusing. Puppies have the luxury of skipping the long and tedious phase we humans know as puberty. They just go from cute to complete in about a year. 
I've seen photos of myself at a very young age, and I think I was rather cute by most standards. But these are followed by way too many photos of a comically odd-looking little boy. I have to chuckle at these when I see them, as he always has a huge smile plastered across his face. In my head, I'm thinking, you're so weird. Ditch those glasses, and seriously, what's up with that hair? Yet in my heart, I just have to adore that kid. Rather than ever let himself feel truly out of place, he just happily found his place and charged forward, smiling all of the time. And that, to me, is really quite adorable. As I continue to sketch and show up each and every day, I feel like I'm still in the artist equivalent of puberty. Shining moments mixed with periods of confusion and a yearning to understand everything just a bit better. I dream of a time when I can spend more than a little hour each day painting and writing. But rather than give up and wait for that day to arrive, I just keep moving forward. Perhaps after all, that's what that awkward little teenager taught me. It doesn't matter if we aren't everything we hoped we might be, as long as we're the very best version of what we actually are. I now realize why he was smiling in all those photos. Life may not have been perfect, but it was still perfectly fascinating. The measure wasn't about the present, but the intoxicating idea of what the future might hold. So today, I find myself in the oddest of places, a man who politely refuses to grow up, looking to the past for inspiration while happily embracing the future. And you'll still find me smiling through all of it, happily celebrating all of the crazy turns that life throws at me. In a way, puberty is just an introductory course that we take, and the rest of our lives are spent hoping to achieve that PhD. But I have to believe we're really pretty awesome at every single point in our lives. There's always something unique and wonderful that I think should be applauded each and every step of the journey. My own doppelganger was a boy who was so exuberant about life that he never bothered to care when it didn't work out properly. That's why I choose to honor him and delve back into my past. As an adult, I get stressed occasionally and begin to worry about whether I'm doing everything correctly. But unlike when I was a child, I have no clue as to where I should make that comparison. My steady tribe of classmates have been replaced with the entire world at large. Instead of measuring myself to a classroom full of people, I now have a worldwide web of comparisons. But most of the time, I still just feel a bit awkward. I can't seem to follow a particular trend or abide by all of the various social rules that crop up almost daily. I guess you could say I'm still that kid from those now embarrassing puberty photos, doing whatever joyous thing comes to mind without fretting over whether it's the end thing to do. I guess in many ways, I've just learned that life is far more enjoyable when you live it like a little puppy. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories.